Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Nicholas Barnes from Vitel here. We're the company that provides, for absolutely no recompense at all, the telephone number you can call in and leave a message on. I just wanted to share with you a new feature we've added. You can now use the same telephone number to record a Dumpty Dum for the beginning of the show. It's clever, it's cool, and all the hip kids are doing it. Simply call 0203 031 3105 and follow the prompts. You'll hear my dulcet tones guiding you through the whole thing. And when it comes to record the Dumpty Dum, you'll hear it in your ear while you're singing, humming, instrumenting, or, well, however you're performing it yourself. It's that easy. Oh, and it can be anonymous too. Nobody has to know it's you. Go on, give it a try. 0203 031 3105. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Lydia, I have been asked by my friend Lexi to submit a dumpty dum on her behalf because she's at a bit of a loose end. So here we go. Dumpty dum de dum de dum. Dumpty dum de da dum. Dumpty dum de dum de dum. Dum de diddly dum. Dum de diddly. Dum de diddly. Dum de diddly dum. Dum de dum de dum de dum. Dum de diddly dum. Was that okay? Folks, this is Dum de Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that are centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the QVC utensil, that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the bacon pan, that is Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Susan's Wandering Walk, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dum de Dum was from our Lydia channeling her Lexi. I was about to say Anya then. Because, folks, uh, we have um, a whole list of uh, Dum de Dum de Zooms lined up for you. Uh, this, this Friday, sorry, we have Charlotte Martin who plays Susan. Two weeks after that, we have Kerry Davis, Uncle God Kerry Davis. And then two weeks after that, we have Anya, who played Lexi. And Ooh. that's w- w- the reason why I got a little bit brain fuddled. Don't uh, say played. Anyway. Past tense, plays, because she'll come oh, back. Oh, yes. Oh, y- you know what? And she made a point 
of saying that to me. Mm. I when I sent the email, I said, "You well, you played Lexi." She went, "Royfield, get your tenses right." She actually mm. said that. She went, "I'm still a member of the cast, don't <laughs> you know?" I was like, "Yeah." Okay, smashing. Anyway, uh, so that's that. So uh, this week's Dumpty Dum was from our Lydia, as I was just saying. Now, Luce, mm. somebody would like to send in a Dumpty Dum and be like Lydia. Uh, how can that be done? If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then you can call us on 0203-031-3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to Yokel Bear and Millie Bell, our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast Roundups, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Uh, Derek has given up smoking for Lent. He'd already switched to patches anyway to prepare himself, but he was finding them quite tricky to light. Yay! <laughs> um, this week's episode, we hear views from Viv, my gotch with a hearty general stories back. Glyn. Witherspoon, Claire, Andrew, Old Grey Whiskers, Jen and Francesca. Now, first, before all that stuff, folks, as I uh, move things around on my screen and I told Lucy this wasn't going to happen again, but it's happened. But I've got a solution for all the screen pushing around or stuff that I need to do. Uh, anyway, I'm wittering on. It's going to be Lucy's Week in Ambridge. So I'm going to press button number four. We began the week with Horrible Philip's Horrible Stag Night. Everyone was focused on Roy's shirt, but no one commented on the fact that he said he'd got his smart shoes on. The ones with laces, not the Velcro straps. He'd misunderstood and thought someone said clubbing. Well, Philip and Gav did say you needed a good clubbing, Roy. <laughs> Horrible Philip's Stag Do was being held at the Feathers. I thought the Feathers were the rather staid place where Piggy would go and have lunch on her birthday and where Brian would take Jennifer when he'd been caught with his cords around his ankles. Seems an <laughs> odd choice for a stag do. But if Joe's wake could be held in the tea rooms, then all bets are off. Tracy and Roman turned up at the Feathers by accident where Gavin was ordering two pints of your finest generic lager, please, landlord. You can tell Borchester's a long way from here. <laughs> With all the bloody microbreweries now, you can't just order a lager or a gin without receiving a 20-minute lecture on the provenance of every drink. And if it's brewed more than two doors down, then that's viewed as export. Roy said he couldn't cope with the hard stuff, so he had a Ribena with a lemonade top. And that made him feel a bit... <laughs> That made him feel a bit dizzy. So Gavin said he'd take him out and they went to Cinderella and Rockefellers, had a little dance together. Then Gavin took Roy up an alley. In the midst of this, Gavin took Roy's phone and cancelled Krusty's DJ, which isn't exactly on the Al Pacino scale of a warning off. But while he was at it, he replaced Roy's screensaver with a picture of Philip in the nip and changed the keyboard. So every time Roy types gay grables, it says clap clinic. So that should keep him puzzled for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Pip and Adam had to go on the swings in the new playground, rebuilt entirely through the wonder of modern slavery, while their respective offspring dutifully pushed them. Once again, mm. Adam was called upon to give his business acumen. I really do not see why. Borchester land seems to suffer cock-up after cock-up under Adam's watch, and every time he can't be bothered to spray, plough or sow, he just announces he's leaving it fallow, or he's not tilling it, <laughs> to pretend it was all part of a well-thought-out strategy rather than that he'd got distracted and forgotten again. 
When the fences fall down and the deer and sheep rampage through people's front gardens, he'll just announce that he's letting them take back the land while he sits in his eco-office eating Pringles and watching Grand Designs. Of course, he's pushing on an open door with Pip, who's managed to screw half a million squid out of her great-aunt with a scheme whose very premises... Nah, leave it. Pip is worried about <laughs> Justin taking over the rewilder scheme to rent out some tumble-down barns to a load of poets and people who make bookmarks out of dock leaves and call it a business. These are very much your kind of people, said Adam. Idiots with rich relatives. He then went on to suggest... <laughs> That's a good one. He then went on to suggest that she should take a leaf out of Lillian's book in her bargaining tactics with Justin. I don't know how Pip would feel about providing the same kind of persuader that Lillian does. Not without a push-up bra and some raljex, anyway. There was a lot of bewildering cricket chat. Adam turned up just to upset poor Johnny about his big baldy head and then kept trying to urge people into the changing rooms. Let me show you around, Gavin. They're here, Gavin, the changing rooms. They're over here. This is where you take your clothes off, Gavin. Why don't you come in the changing rooms with me here and take your clothes off, Gavin? Try them out, the changing rooms. Someone or other couldn't make it, which resulted in Jolene being put on the team. We're going to hide Jolene in the field, said Harrisman ambitiously. Not unless there are two enormous hillocks on the pitch you want. Emma and Fallon were very excited <laughs> about VE Day. Thank God we'll miss that at any rate. Peggy getting pissed on cooking sherry and singing We'll Meet Again in a headscarf while Bert Fry draws a stocking line at the back of her leg. Anyway, they're planning a 40s feast, apparently. That's half an egg, some spam and a stick of chewing gum, but only if you let a GI <laughs> feel you up. That's still better catering than they get at the laurels. Lindy Bottom sounded in much better spirits. Mungo was concerned about her, which I thought was very sweet until she said that he kept ringing her up. Up until then, I'd got muddled and thought Mungo was the bloody dog. Anyway, Lindy said she was feeling herself again. <laughs> and although that was slightly more information than any of us needed, it was still nice to hear. And then we had a storyline which was so baffling. The fact that it was still immensely pleasing just shows how bruised and battered we all are. I don't know about you. But I have felt somewhat storm-tossed over the last month or so in life as well as in the arches. So this omnibus, I was just content to lay half on the shore while the waves washed over me without the energy to even lift my head off the sand and say, what the hell? So, are you sitting comfortably? Then I shall begin the story of the plotical walk. It Ooh. all began when Susan Carter lost her walk. Not the most promising of starts for the tying up of a storyline that's been driving us all bonkers for months, but that's the archers for you. Susan lost her walk, which was a plotical walk, and not only that was apparently so amazing it had been on the telly. It's not often you come into contact with a celebrity plotical walk, so I could understand why she was so upset about losing it. She went round to see Tracy, who had apparently borrowed it. She had indeed borrowed it, washed it up, and left it upside down on the draining board, cunningly hidden under a tea towel. This seemed to enrage Susan. I know not why, but as it was a plotical walk, anything can happen. While she was shouting at her sister for leaving her walk under a tea towel, she mentioned that her daughter was restarting her life and was being very brave. What is this, we thought? Emma's leaving Ambridge to begin a new life in Stoke Poges, and what's it got to do with a walk? Meanwhile, Eddie rang Ed to tell him to order a long weight and a rubber hammer. And while he was there to see Chris Carter, who as a blacksmith was hanging around Borchester in the middle of the working day for no particular reason. Maybe he had his apron on and he was at his favourite leather bar. I don't know. <laughs> while they were on the phone, Ed realised that Eddie was somewhere near some sheep. And this made him suspicious. 
I don't know why. Ambridge is bloody surrounded by sheep. It's hardly a cause for suspicion. Eddie could have been in the loo. Then Ed arrives at Grange Farm to find a mobile home in the yard and nearly has his wife arrested for being a traveller, which is an unpromising start to a rapprochement. But luckily, Emma stopped him before he set fire to her little nest, which she invited him to move into. And then they both ate bacon from the Plotical Walk. Emma revealed that Jolene's friend had let her have the mobile home for a song, Emma said, on condition that Jolene didn't sing it, that Lindy Bottom had talked to her about relationships, that Eddie had helped install bits of it, that Neil had made a carved nameplate for it, and Susan had even donated the plotical wok for it. So basically, the whole village had worked together to make sure that a working class woman did not get ideas above her station, gave up any ambition she may have had, and settled for life in a mobile home two foot from her mother-in-law's back door. But as I said, (laughs) I don't really care. I am tired. I am tired of trying to work out who is going to unmask Philip for the git that he is. I am tired of worrying about Lindy Bottom's mental health, about who's going to stop Krusty's wedding and what the hell time of year it will be when we come back to Ambridge. And if Ed and Emma living on the site of a portaloo is what they want, good on them. That is one dangling plot line I can file away. I want a quiet life. Just at the moment, the last thing I need is a walk on the wild side. The end. <laughs> that was worth it for that for that payoff at the end. The walk on the wild side. That was worth it, Freeman. I salute you. Well done, you. So much better than last week. I love when your monologues have cooking references, and especially with Chinese utensils. I think that you're going out of your way to make it up to the whole nation of China, aren't you? After your Wuhan <laughs> back After my diplomatic joke. incident, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did Germany, you did yeah. China, yeah. but you're making amends. Yeah. Well done. Well done, missus. Oh, so um, let's dispense with uh, the flannel flannel of us chatting about stuff mm. because we've got a whole load of caller in to deal with. So I reckon we'll have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge 3962. And we'll go straight in with Ambridge Pony Club. Hi, it's Jen here at Ambridge Pony Club on the Twitters. Just calling in about the last episode and the Ed and Emma storyline. I have to say, I really didn't like it. Uh, I've been listening for a long time and I've heard Ed and Emma get together, split up, get together. (laughs) And I'm just bored of it at this point. I think like Niles and Daphne on Fraser, once they got together, that really should have been the end of the story and they should have just been left alone. Um, I don't like Emma as a character. I love the actress. I think she's fantastic. But Emma as a character, she married someone knowing that she might be pregnant by his brother. And I've just never been able to get over that. That's not nice. I think Ed could really do better. Um, As a couple, they might be a good team, but I think they're too different. Emma is very aspirational. She likes a bit of excitement. She's ambitious. Ed is just a simple soul, and he needs someone that just adores him and is content to be in a caravan on Grundy's field. And we know that Emma's not content with that. We've seen that one at least twice before. I think Emma would have been an interesting partner for Matt, I think she'd be an ideal gangster's mom. And that ending, the bacon sandwiches, the rocking caravan, (laughs) skipping home into the sunset for brownies (laughs) for tea, it was so trite and contrived. 
and sentimental, really didn't like it. The only thing I found intriguing was that they were going home to eat brownies and not lemon drizzle, which was quite interesting. I was wondering if that's the first time those particular baked goods have been mentioned in Ambridge. So that's it. Didn't like it. Um, hoping that things go better when we get the home recordings and really going to miss it for the next while. Hope everybody's staying safe and well. Bye for now. Bye. Mm. What do you reckon, Arloose? Did you like it? Um, as I, I was being genuine in the monologue, I was just like, oh, thank God for that. Something's resolved. Because nothing else is. Mm. I so wish they'd, they'd sorted out the Kirsty and... Do you have any idea where we're going to be when we come back? No idea. Utterly no idea. Because when is the wedding supposed to be? I don't know. And tell me I'm wrong and I've missed something because I probably have. But I thought this was a secret wedding. When did it go no, from not being a secret? They think it's, everyone else thinks it's an engagement party. Roy okay. and Helen know it's they're getting yes. married in the morning. All righty. I know because I thought that as well. There was so much chopping and changing about whether they were marrying or not marrying or, mm. you know, I don't know, should we just stay as we are? Well, then let's get married but not have a wedding. All right, then let's have a wedding but not get married and all that shit. So it's very difficult to keep track of what the hell was actually happening. Mm. Um, I felt a little bit let down by the romantic conclusion. And I did say last week that I wanted a big payoff. I think we've all deserved it. And to be fair, they gave us a payoff, you know, in the best traditions of uh, romance uh, and dramatic narratives, they gave us a payoff. I just want some, some something a little bit bigger and maybe not so contrived. Mm. I don't really believe that with things being on such a potential knife edge vis-a-vis -vis their, their relationship, Emma would have just said, right, this is all sorted, co-opted the whole family mm. into her big secret yeah. and then just to put a mobile home yeah. up there. I don't believe that. No. Because though we knew that Ed was up for it mm. and, and Emma stuff, didn't, did she? She was she really didn't. ambivalent. Unless, 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 because was it Jazza that he spoke to? It was somebody who he spoke to. Oh, no, it was uh, Kenton. Mm. Wasn't it Kenton in the bull? It was Kenton in the bull a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And they they should have made that explicit in the, dis you know, in the discovery on the day that Kenton comes around and says, hey, you know, Emma, well done. Mm. And you're going, okay. It was Kenton that actually said. Mm. But I'm an old softy. So Did you get the impression I that that was hurried through? Yes. To hit the end? Yes. Totally. I think so. Mm. I think so. Yeah. I really do. But uh, maybe when we get uh, Uncle God Kerry on uh, Dumpty Dumpty Zoom in a couple of weeks' time, mm. three weeks' time even, we can ask him. I think he should be able to tell us because that would be like post. It yeah, would have yeah, already yeah. happened. So he should be able yeah. to tell us. Uh, but I wonder if he'll tell us where we'll be when we come back. Good 
good question. It might not be able question. to, but we can ask. Mm, we can ask, we can ask. The other thing uh, about your Call Ambridge Pony Club, I disagree about the whole Niles, Crane and Daphne thing. This isn't the same because the whole point of their relationship within Frasier was the tension of will they, won't they, mm. and Niles not being able to uh, get it together. To, and also um, us all suspending our disbelief that Niles was entirely gay. But anyway. <laughs> well, there is that as well. So, uh, and, and this, this is different. There is enough to the character of Ed, there is enough to the character of Emma that they can be uh, characters with the, with their own drives and motivation away from each other, whereas that was utterly key. Mm. And, and ultimately, when they got together and that tension went, it just felt odd, mm. you know, from a purely dramatic point of view. Um, so that really should have been the end of the whole series when they got together but anyway uh that's a that's a completely different uh docudrama uh so thank you for the call ambridge pony club uh loose uh anything do you want to add because i'm i just appreciate i'm just being um you know no, I'm just no, like no, no, no. Dri dri driving this thing yeah, no, and you're no. in the passenger seat and just wanted to make sure that you've got your a to z and you can <laughs> plot out a route too yep no that's fine i have I don't disagree with you on anything so far smashing all right andrew horn it's your time sir greetings earthlings andrew horn here i hope you're all well and swerving the virus staying safe saving lives um <laughs> i for one would say i'm quite glad we're going to have a little hiatus between the live archers and the new style archers i think that will help us transition mm. uh, i know it's because they needed a bit more time to get ready but i think they should be able to make something out of it i'm looking forward to uh revisiting some of the old episodes seeing if they are as i remember them I gather we're starting with four weddings and a funeral, and the funeral being Joe's wake. Um, you'd think they could go back to someone, oh, someone else. Um, but I'm hoping we have some classic uh, Nigel action in there. Maybe um, him strolling into um, Phil and Jill's bedroom by mistake. Pargita. Anyway, um, <laughs> thinking of Nigel or and the, the actor Graham Seed. Whatever happened to the podcast that was supposedly coming from the BBC that Graham was going to host? Um, did we frighten them off? <laughs> anyway, I've not much more to, to say. I will try and call in with my reaction to each week during this gap, um, as I'm sure there will be, uh, there will be lots to talk about. And thank you for keeping us sane. And Lucy and um, Shambridge's, your marvellous Friday night <laughs> editions. Keep them coming. That's all for me for now. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Tatty, bye, Andrew. Oh, mm. no, they're not going to play Joe's funeral again. They are. It was bad enough the first time. Mm. That was the single worst episode in recent living memory. Apart from Jill talking to soot, making mince pies with Sooty, they was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Why are they doing that again? Did we not suffer enough the first time? They're out of their 
much. There must there's there must be another funeral that they can use. Mm. Well, we did briefly talk about <sighs> this um, off mic before we started the show, and um, you came up with a very good point. But let let's run through the conversation again, as if say we didn't have it. Lucy, yeah, it's I'm a little bit disappointed that they're only going. <laughs> they did back go exactly so like this far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I they've gone. They haven't exactly gone back into the vault, have they? No. And um, yes, I'm a big fan of Nelson Gabriel, Marjorie Antrobus, mm. etc. Sid Perks, and. The list of classic episodes, um, no, not classic, old episodes, archive episodes they're going through does not include any of those. And you said the reason why they're doing that is because? That I think they'd keep, they're trying to keep newer listeners engaged. If you think about the younger guys that ring in here, the newer listeners, um, they will say, oh, it was the Helen and Rob storyline that drew me in. It was the Kirsty and Tom storyline that drew me in. It was blah, blah, blah storyline. They don't say because I loved Kirsty or I loved Helen or whatever. It's the storyline that gets you first and then you develop a love of the characters. The danger, I think, with doing what they're doing with this hiatus and then um, – the different shift in the um, the, the the way that the, the the episodes are going to be delivered means that the people that were brought in for storylines, like Philip and Gav, people are engaged in that, will just switch off and not come back. So if they then start compounding that by playing characters that are never going to come back, like you know um, Nelson Gabriel, then you know, you might as well just wave goodbye completely. They've got, it's got to, it's got to be in recent memory and hook into an existing storyline, I guess. Mm. Uh, that's exactly what they're, what they're doing. And, and, and I just think that's, I, I think it's an opportunity lost, though I completely understand the thinking. And they've gone into the archive, but these aren't, kind of classic episodes a classic a classic episode would be the death of john mm. sid and jolene in the shower and though i was never a nigel fan yes nigel in his gorilla suit all that nonsense mm. and stuff and they're not doing that and you look through the lists and it's to give newer listeners more of a background to current characters and storylines that's it there is no matt crawford in there you know and it's not classic Ambridge, but it's a case of, you know, bolstering current storylines, giving us a little bit more of a backstory to do with Ed and Emma and Will, you know, that, mm. that triangle. Um, yeah. And I just think, whilst I understand that, there must have been some way of which they could have badged, the, you know, one episode a week and just gone, right, now we're really digging mm. into stuff. Some of them may not have been saved. I mean, the BBC is notorious for um, losing or dist accidentally destroying, sometimes deliberately destroying uh, vintage episodes of things. Things are no, uh, uh, so often turn up, you know, where they suddenly discover a vault, an archive that they'd forgotten about or that someone had mislabeled mm. or, you know, it's it's slightly more hit and miss than I think we imagine. Um, 
the storage of stuff. So, you know, who knows what they've actually properly got. We got invited along to the to go along to the BBC about four years ago. Did you when we when I went up to Ealing, were you with me then? No. No. Okay. You you raise a really valid point about the fact that some episodes have been lost. Well, a lot of episodes have been lost. But I can't remember exactly when they have them from. It right. might be the mid-70s. It might be the early 80s. But they have enough going back that that's actually not an issue. It's not as if they've only got them since, you know, 2001, for argument's sake. It isn't. It, it does go back way before that. But, yes, you are completely right that specifically with the much older episodes sometimes they re-recorded over the tapes because they couldn't afford to buy new tapes and and they didn't think there's ever going to be a value in <laughs> uh this stuff you know oh, yeah so yes it was a completely different time but there is still enough for them to go back but i just think what there's six days of the week to pump out archer's stuff you know, they could, one of those six could be Archer's gold, real gold. Yeah, well, I don't know. know why they don't put that lot on Ambridge, on uh, Radio 4 Extra, you know. Yeah, it, make, it makes no sense. Maybe we should try and get uh, one of the great and the good for an Am uh, from Ambridge 4 Extra, from Radio 4 Extra to kind of explain that. I, I suppose, I suppose there is a danger of putting too much... Archer stuff on Radio 4 Extra that it could become, you know, Ambridge FM. Mm. You could you could make a strong argument for yeah, that. Yeah, but there is the on Ambridge Extra at the moment about the Archers. Ambridge Extra, Radio 4 Extra. We, even though we've fallen into that trap yeah, right but now. it's not on anymore. Ambridge Extra isn't on. No, but what I mean, though, is on Radio 4 Extra or for whatever the heck it's called, because I don't listen to it, um, that if you put on something like us, something which discussed the archers, then there are there is enough of a back catalogue then to have a show uh, which is, you know, you could just start it again from, let's say, 1970, just because. There's an argument that this... That, the station will become too associated with the archers. Yeah. No. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of reasons why they haven't done it. Because to me, it sounds, it, it's kind of obvious. Mm, yeah. You know, you're playing old stuff. Why don't you just put some old stuff from something which six million people each week listen to? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, it's another way for people to engage with it who are newer fans. Yeah. Makes sense to me, yeah. but, yeah. you know. Anyway, all right. Uh, Andrew, thanks for the call, pal. And uh, now it's uh, me other podcasting wife. It's Claire from Clapham. Hi there, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Hello. I'm so pleased that Emma, Ed and Emma got back together yeah. uh, before the end of the current uh, programmes. Uh, not so sure about how they got back together um, <laughs> and setting up in the caravan with slightly dubious planning permission. Uh, I am currently working on an update to my 2018 Academic Archers paper about housing and uh, I look forward to reflecting some thoughts on this uh, uh, at the presentation I'm doing, uh, I think it's early June, on the Academic Archers. Um, so yeah, lots of opinions on that, but we won't go into that 
today. That's for another time. Um, the other thing is we're now heading out of uh, you know normal life and coronavirus will arrive in Ambridge. And I wondered if people have been thinking about, you know, who they think was most likely to be affected and how. Um, I wondered whether Chris, even though he's you know a young strapping guy, because he's a farrier, might well have come into contact pe- with people in the horsey world who'd been at Cheltenham and therefore was more at risk. Um, so uh, be interesting to see what that might mean for the kind of progression of the virus in the village. Um, and could we potentially use this as an opportunity to officially uh, lose, is it Lewis, who um, is Elizabeth's father-in-law, who last seen you know living in an attic somewhere in, <laughs> in Lower Loxley or some other wing, but no one has mentioned him in years, even when all the stuff was going on with Lily and Rusk and Freddie in prison. Uh, no one says he's there, but he's not officially died. Let's use it as an opportunity. I'm sure other people have got other views. Thank you for keeping going through the uh, period of uh, reminiscence, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Tati, bye. Yeah, he wasn't, he's not Elizabeth's father-in-law because they never got married, but he's Elizabeth's, yeah. Um, he's some old retainer Julia's, Julia's uh, boyfriend, wasn't he? Julia's friend. Mm. Um <laughs> There's quite a few. That's quite interesting whether or not they'll get... Because I do worry what's happening with the... Not worry. I do think about what's happening with the Chris and Alice storyline, whether or not, because they seem to be so disjointed. There's got to be some sort of breakthrough discussion about having children or not having children or whatever. Um, You know, it seems like they don't quite know what to do with them. Like Alice, Alice... sort of seemed there was a lot of chat about Alice's drinking then that sort of fizzled out a lot of chat about her getting pregnant or not that fizzled out uh Chris's stuff about he's getting his business that's all sort of sorted out now and they don't quite know what to do with them but I think they're quite an interesting couple because of the class difference um and the fact that they've got two of the most interfering sets of parents in Ambridge um so it would be a real shame if they did got get rid of 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 Chris. But I think it, you know, whether or not they will, um, whether or not all the older generation will survive, we don't know. But I was reading a thing today in the Times about how um, uh, people in villages are relatively it, quite often are, have been, entire villages have been completely or small towns have been completely unscathed by coronavirus, just passed them by completely. Um, yeah. So it's not unfeasible that nobody would actually contract it. Um, I slightly disagree with one thing that you said, uh, Freeman, because the more I sit down and think about this bloody thing, the archers, the more I realise how fiendish and how clever the script writers actually are. There is no way that such a big character point uh, as Alice not wanting to become pregnant anytime soon has been forgotten about. No, yeah, yeah. They've just laid that for us and we'll get the payoff whether it's one, two or five years' time. Yeah. So that that hasn't been She's still, how old is she? She's not, she's 30. Early 30s? Yeah, 30-odd, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. So it could could be another 10 years before. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that. You said something else of which 
whilst I was listening to your very detailed um, answer, I completely forgotten all about. So why don't I press another button? And if I remember, then I go, oh, <laughs> and I'll come back to it because I've... <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, Claire from Clapham. And now let's have Francesca. Hello, hello, hello. It's Francesca here from Cardiff. I just want to say thank you so much for playing my Dumpty Dum, uh, the Muppets one. I hope you liked it. I'm a massive Muppets fan and I had loads of fun making that. Yeah, so I'm a musician and I'm an actor based in Cardiff. And uh, I've got two ambitions in life one is to represent malta in eurovision as i'm also maltese as well as being welsh uh, but i can't do that because my cousin with the exact same name as me has already done that unfortunately and she didn't win but my other ambition is to be on the arches um yeah so i'm actually a voiceover artist too and i'm hoping that possibly I could maybe get a part of the arches doing a little cameo and I've put together a little audition here for you. So here goes. Hiya, <coughs> Kelly. Happy birthday, darling. I got you a present. Oh, Gavin. Oh, thank you so much. I think I know what it is. I heard you on the phone with your dad last week. Oh, what's this? A voucher for Greg's. I thought I was having a horse. Oh, thank you for that, <laughs> Francesca. <laughs> it's uh, Kirsty, not Kerry. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, don't, it freaks me out when you say horse. I thought I was getting a horse. Every time he says, every time either of them say horse, it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Because the beginning of the of the omnibus this week was them talking about we've got to keep the horses on site. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, are you mm. going to the stag do? Blah, blah blah. And it's sort of so glib that they do it, so kind of in such a dispassionate, inhumane way. Oh god, it just gives me chills. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Well, on that note, right? I think we should play Witherspoon next because he uh, made some very astute observations. Uh, of last week's dum de dum okay. i.e. that I was spot on and kind of makes that exact same point, our Lucy. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Demers taking their first longer walks in the outside world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. Last week, our hosts were chatting about an interesting topic. Is Philip a basically decent fellow with some evil tendencies who views and treats certain people as less than? Or is he an evil guy who behaves as such, but does have the capability to love another human being and to put on a good act and fool all of the people all of the time? While none of us is perfect, I would say that we put Philip in the latter category. As Royfield pointed out, we get a good glimpse of Philip's true nature when he interacts with his son. Early on, I didn't recognize the significance of those behaviors and gave Philip the benefit of the doubt because, hey, none of us is perfect. From all of this, I've learned not to overlook any little thing that the scriptwriters may throw out there, even if they do throw us a red herring on occasion. One more thing about Philip. 
I don't find him as cringeworthy as Rob was. Whenever Rob spoke, I imagined the Victorian villain complete with droopy mustache, black hat, and black cape. But I don't view Philip in that way. He's more of a 21st century British crime drama villain, cunningly avoiding prosecution. So I'm happy to have the storyline continue for a while longer once we return from Ambridge lockdown. As long as, in true 19th century English novel tradition, Philip gets his just desserts. Yes. Talk to you soon. Bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Spoon. Um, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I completely agree with that. Yes, I do. Um, we've had an email, actually, about, uh, about that. You remember last week we were talking about Philip Moss and uh, Robert saying, don't call me, don't call me Robert. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Lily said, feeling compelled to contribute after <laughs> this long is time. not the full Lily from Leighton Cross, is it? No. <laughs> 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 Assuming the normal introductions still apply to emails, I'm Lily, a teacher living just outside Glasgow in sunny Scotland. The usual story of listening to the Archers because my parents did before taking up the mantle myself. According to the website, I'm a George Grundy, but never mind. Yes, yeah, sorry about that, Lily. Um, Wanted to share my thoughts on the Philip Robert Mr. Snell reaction, which was a bit jarring for some. My thought was that it mirrored how Blake calls Philip Mr. Moss. He's in charge in that situation, unfortunately. But in the village, he's very much having to work for his position, volunteering the children's play park and other general sycophancy. Anyway, not sure if I've sent this in time, so it may well be irrelevant by now. Warm wishes to all. Lily, thank you. Yes, yes, he is. Um, Blake is, yeah, Blake is kind of seeing... Uh, Philip is seeing himself as part of the village, isn't he? He's trying to sort of get into that, um, the village hierarchy. You know, he's doing all the right things, like the volunteering and rebuilding the playground and all that sort of stuff. Um, so he assumes it's okay for him to call Robert, Robert, but Robert's going, who the hell are you? You know, yeah, interesting. Mm. Mm. Um. Yes. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Witherspoon, we thank you. Uh, Lucy's read out an email. Now we're going on to the person who I want to be more than anybody else in the whole wide world other than Captain America. It's Glyn full of love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here um, from lockdown in Tansley in the Derbyshire Dales, uh, which is not the worst place in the world to be locked down, to be fair. Although I do have my um, mother staying with me for the duration, which has its challenges. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, one challenge is um, that uh, it's disrupting my archers and dumpty dum listening a bit. But I've been quite interested in what Royfield and Lucy have been saying about how uh, their archers listening is, their, their interaction with the stories has changed due partly to the coronavirus and i have to say mine has too um the the story around the modern slavery and the recovery of linda yes they're definitely holding the attention um with emma and ed i had to agree with lucy i just wanted them to mm. get on with it make a decision uh, wasn't that bothered which way it was just but life is too short guys just sort it out I'm glad the script writers did sort that one out before we went into the sort of furlough period um i thought they set it up quite nicely actually putting ed and m into a 
confined space. The other stories, Shuler's Vickering, oh, sorry, couldn't care less. Um, <laughs> the, um, the rewilding, um, well, I'm completely disconnected from that. And the cricket, well, it's a sort of interesting diversion, but really I can't get hold of it. Anyway, I'm looking forward to um, some archive episodes. I don't think we'll get to hear Nelson because that's a great shame. But anyway, to all stay safe, uh, greetings and uh, safe lockdown to all in Dumpty Dum. Mm. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Follow Love. I'm just, you just made me think because the cricket will now be off, won't it? Oh, yeah. The season. So all this training, completely pointless. Um, Ed and Emma will be on lockdown together. The mm. B&B guests won't be able to come. That mm. I'm, I'm making notes here. I don't know why. Like I'm doing a to-do list for Ambridge. By the way, just to let you know, Ambridge. Um, so what else will be stuffed? You know, it's funny though. One sport you could probably still play. Yeah, because you're far enough away. Yeah, it's actually cricket. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Formula One. That that can continue too. <laughs> yeah. What about Rugby, pit, football, not a chance. You couldn't you have know. a pit in Formula One, could you? That is a very good point, Lucy. That is an excellent point. You couldn't change tyres. No. No. And, and every mm. time I watch it, they seem to be doing more changing tyres than anything else. So, <laughs> Though they are thinking of... Balls. Well, How about balls? The, the balls get close together, but the people don't. Yes, you could do that. Mm-hmm. And have you seen that they've done... Uh, it's not quite virtual darts, but darts from home. Did you see that? No. So there's been this massive rise in esports, and I must admit, I've been watching quite a bit of the old e-motor racing and it's bloody good. When it's good, it's really good. And sometimes you walk past the screen and you go, oh, there's Formula One on. And you realise, no, actually, it's a computer game. But because the graphics is Uh, that good, you have to do a double take. Um, So anyway, that's that. Put that to one side. But some smart person. Now, I don't understand darts as a sport. I don't understand. It's a game. Mm. It's a game. It's not a sport. It's a game. But still, they're skilled. They're skilled. Not knocking the skill. But somebody worked out and says, well, wait on a minute. We can just have a cam, a webcam on each dart player and then just do it at home. But they're playing each other. Genius. (laughs) Genius. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's true. It's like that. Is it? There's a short story, isn't there? Now, who is it? About... He bets that he can, I don't think it's Agatha Christie. He bets that he can beat somebody at chess. He mm-hmm. bets that he can beat all the world's greatest chess players without ever having played before. Mm-hmm. And he does it in a mirrored room. So basically they all play each other. He just copies the moves that he can see in the mirror that the other people are making. Oh. So the same sort of thing. As the darts, you're sort of playing somebody yeah. without them being there. Mm. Yes. Well, I must admit, right, if I was into darts, I'd be all over that televised from home darts thing, but I'm not. But the eSports, ooh, that's very good. Very good at the moment. It, uh, 
as I said, it's kind of kind of almost better than watching the proper Grand Prix. Mm. Anyway, uh, that's that's Glyn full of love. If you're up for uh, adopting me as a member of your family, Glyn, just let me know. And uh, now let's have a little bit of Viv. Viv, you're up. Hello, it's Viv from Lambeth here, keeping my little fingers busy, sewing scrubs and uh, making masks. Oh, now, good for you. it's bad enough that we have three weeks without new episodes, but to have the vintage stuff only available on the abominable BBC, BBC Snouts and not on any podcast feed is cruel and unusual punishment, so just stop it. And a plot prediction. The ghosts of Scruff, Captain Eccles and the cow that kicks Brian Aldridge in the head Rampage through the village, terrorising the inhabitants and generally wreaking havoc. Tracy, Madame Arcati, Horribin, then sums up the spectres of Joe Grundy and Tom Forrest, who hunt them down and dispatch them to the fiery furnace or sunny uplands, depending on whether your theological position is Old or New Testament. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye. What are they going to put out on Radio 4 then at 7 o'clock? I thought they were playing out the, the archive episodes at the normal time. On the radio. Well, that's what I thought too. Maybe they're not. I'm going to look at the listings right Mm. now. Yeah, it is being played out the normal time. Right? Yeah. So that's cleared that up then. Yep. It's Adam and Ian's civil partnership tonight. Good God. (laughs) I really do think a trick has been missed here. Mm. Put aside my Marjorie Antrobus and my Nelson Gabriel and and Walter. Put all that to one side. But there is no way that Ian and Adam's civil partnership was a classic episode. It just wasn't. I can remember where I was standing when I heard that John Archer had been killed. And Mm -hmm. I cannot even remember hearing Adam and Ian's civil partnership. All I can remember is Ian's slightly homophobic father coming to it. That's it. Yeah. There you go. And it was like two years ago or something. Ruth and Sam the cowman when yeah. she goes yeah. to Oxford. Yeah. That's classic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When we're literally all on the edges of our seats, is she going to do it? But those calls back to yeah. David, you know. Yep. I don't know. I don't know who's actually drawn up this list. You, you know, could even I... play Robin Helen again, couldn't you? Oh, God, no, Luce. Come on now. Oh, no, but you could play the bit, your bit where she got off. You know, and everything. But I think, no, that is there. There is some oh, is trial okay. stuff there. Okay, there is, because the list is there on the website, right. what they're going to play. Okay. So there is some Robin Helens. Okay. Hmm. But Adam and Ian, Any- who cares? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 talking of Adam and Ian, I have to yes. have a email uh, mm, from John. Luke Smith, who says, this is a long one, it's very good, I thought, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, first time writing in, and that's required, my first memory was Harrison. Not sure what that says about me. Anyway, I have recently recovered from the dreaded virus. Oh, dear. And spent a lot of time catching up on your podcast. I have a particular interest in the discussions on the portrayal of gay people. I thought I'd add my opinion. I like how mm-hmm. Royfield and some of the gay callers have made clear the gay characters are quite two-dimensional. However, I take issue with Royfield's assumption that middle-class gay people like Adam would not have voted for Brexit. I am a gay man who undertook postgraduate studies in European studies in Birmingham, where I worked part-time on the Birmingham gay scene. I can first tell you that I received a lot of negativity about my choice of subject because of, quote, foreigners telling us what to do, unquote, from the other gay people working in the scene, as well as witnessing racism. Stonewall research found 51% of BAME people have experienced racism on the gay scene, while might also experience rejection from the family if they're from a strict religious background. Racism and homophobia does not just exist in straight, white, non-city communities. It's very important to not assume minority communities all think and vote the same way as minority communities can discriminate against other communities. I have met many very middle-class Tory LGBT people who are not very progressive. LGBT people need to have agency, even if it involves voting for people we don't like. In regards to Adam voting for Brexit, the reasoning might not be related to immigration, as there are many arguments that have been put forward that is not immigration or racism related. His time in Africa, for example, could have allowed him to see the impact of the EU's common agricultural policy on African farms. He might have voted partly on those reasons rather than seek change through reform. Although the character is two-dimensional and poorly written, I don't think it's not implausible that he would vote in a particular way. Thank you for covering the issue, and I hope you don't think I'm being too harsh. Keep up the great work, blah, blah, blah. Luke Birmingham. Thank you, Luke. And I remember Adam citing Africa in his... He had a very brief discussion with, I think it was Brian or possibly Pip, about the way he voted or the way he was intending to vote. And I have a strong feeling that he mentioned his time in Africa in that within that discussion. But I thought that was really interesting. Uh, no, it's it's a great email, and I'm going to try and listen. I will be brief because I knew I do know that I blather on. And when I said what I said, I did make the qualification by saying that any one of these things, in and of itself, do not necessarily make somebody uh, a Brexiteer or not. But you, it's cumulative, and it is the fact that he has travelled, and we're not on about just. A holiday to Benidorm. <laughs> He's spent years abroad, which does give you another perspective on humanity. It just does. Uh, that not only is he uh, gay and in a civil partnership, but they've actively wanted to become parents. Um, he, he is. He's been out for quite some time, and then there is the whole thing with the with the fact that he's farm his enterprise depends on cheap labor from europe it just does mm. so you've got cultural reasons you've got societal reasons and you've got business reasons why you would think he would come to the decision that he should that he'd be a remainer the the emailer is incredibly correct however that we shouldn't just expect that um, just because somebody is gay or even an ethnic minority that they're going to vote a certain way. And I've said this over and over on the podcast. My mother voted to Brexit Mm. and she is a West Indian immigrant who's been in the country for 50 years. 
and she's heard all the arguments which we say about Eastern Europeans coming over here, taking our jobs, were thrown at her in the 1960s. So I, I take your point, but it's just a cumulative effect. If you look at all the different aspects that we believe have gone to create Adam as the character that he is, the chances are that is that he would not be a Brexiteer. That's, that's the point which I was trying to make. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for the email. And, um, and, and it did give me pause for thought. It, it absolutely really did. And yes, I think that a lot of the time, us people on the left, we just presume that our, in inverted commas, brothers or sisters in arms, ethnic minorities, LGBTQ community, people who are disabled, all are politically and emotionally left of centre and nothing could be further from the truth because otherwise we wouldn't keep on losing elections, you know. Uh, we do we do make that leap, but I think I did try and qualify it. But thank you for the email. I really appreciate it. So from uh, an email which uh, describes the complexities of uh, people's potential voting habits, and we shouldn't just make knee-jerk reactions and just presume that, ah, because you're this, you should think that. Uh, we go now to Margot with a hard T. She's in New Jersey. Uh, Margot, it's your time to shine. Good evening, Royfield, Lucy and Dumpty Dummers all over the world. It's Margot from New Jersey. Well, Lucy didn't get her nice tied up ending of Philip's slave master storyline. And oh, yes, this will also drive me crazy until May 25th. Although part of me doesn't mind it being dragged out a little bit longer. But the fact that we have to have a break is maddening. Ed and Emma are together again. Living in what? A camper van on Range Farm? I can see how this is sweet in a sentimental way, but it doesn't seem like a really good feasible long-term option. But then again, if the Grundys ever have to leave Range Farm, now perhaps they can go park it on the green or rent land at somebody else's farm. Who knows? I'm looking forward to Leone dropping in on Ambridge with Little Mungo. I actually enjoy Leone's character, even if she gets my blood boiling. I dislike Roy is now doubting his own intuition about Philip. And... What is the deal with him getting the phone taken and the whole canceling of the DJ? Is this just to make Kirsty not like Roy or is this just to get Roy to doubt himself enough to completely go against his intuition? Yes, that would. Anyway, three-year-olds <laughs> insist I must stop recording and talking about the archers so you all have a wonderful week and I hope you're all healthy. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Yes, I think it was that, Margot. I think it was, uh, you know, um, uh, to make him worry that he can't trust himself he can't trust his own thoughts he can't trust his own um sort of cognitive uh judgment so therefore when something happens um that make him think oh maybe i was right then about philip and gavin he will then reject it mm. and also to potentially drive a wedge between um, Kirsty and Roy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's uh, it, it is all of those reasons, uh, Margot, with a hard T. Um, I, I need to apologise to the next caller in error, Lucy. Yeah, yeah. Through, you know, we know we have this extensive kind of like a vetting period of how we put, yeah, how we allow people, people's calls in are actually onto the show. Oh, the blood tests, you, know, you mean? Yeah, there's the blood yeah. tests. The yeah. We test for, you know, yeah. uh, antibodies, all of that type yeah. of thing. Then um, then we go through the, the, the vetting committee, have to get through that, 
and it's a whole load of people with grey hair in a dusty room that have been doing it for yeah. since what 1873. General Store's call um, fell through that whole process. I don't know how that happened. So the start of this person's call was him saying, "What the hell happened last week? I was mentioned, uh, but the call wasn't there." Anyway, wasn't uh, it? most of that, no, no, no. Oh. And it's because, folks, uh, truth be known, Lucy put together the script. I put together the calls. I did all the gubbins on General Store's call. Anyway, instead of me saying all this, why don't I just press the button? Because half of this is going to make the cutting room floor anyway, because I've fluffed it. Uh, I'm going to press the button, and then we'll explain what happened afterwards. Hi, Roy Ford and Lucy. It's General Store here. I hope you're both well. I uh, enjoyed last week's offering. Um, the one thing that I want to point out is that you trailed me in your opening credits, but for some reason, I didn't end up in the final podcast <laughs> and ended up on the cutting room floor to use an old analog analogy. Anyway, maybe I've infringed some Royfield arcane rule that I'm not aware of, or maybe my theories on the lockdown pregnancies um, were, were not considered appropriate. I'm not sure. Anyway, maybe I should use one of Weatherspoon's services and he can treat my rejection, my rejection syndrome. Anyway, uh, the only thing I've got to talk about is I loved the Edward and Emma reconciliation. I shed a little bit of a tear, I have to confess. And they are definitely going to have a coronavirus pregnancy in their new mobile home. Best of luck to them. Stay well, stay safe. All the best, General Store. Uh, General, uh, pure cock-up. That's all it was. <laughs> Nothing malicious. There was no arcane rule which you fell foul of. Uh, Lucy put you on the list because I sent her your call to say that it's going to be put on the show. I clipped it up. I audio balanced you. I, I took out the noise in the background, all those things which I normally do. And then I uploaded all the caller in errors. I just forgot to upload yours to the system. It's as simple as that. Cock up. I'll take it on the chin. My fault. But it hasn't put you off calling in again. Because some people do flounce off. People are like, oh, you didn't put my call on. Uh, screw you then. And your Arch has related podcast. You know, but not you, sir. So thank you for that. Thank you for bearing with me. And uh, the fact that I uh, screwed up has not meant that uh, you will not ever call in again because you did so this week. So thank you. I think uh, it's so going to be that. quite difficult, can I just say, to conceive a baby in a mobile home when you've got two children on either side of your bedroom. I don't know, Lucy. How the heck? You know when people literally lived in hovels, right? And just like one room. Yeah, but that was a different time, wasn't it? And that was kind of like the ch children. W children weren't even sort of perceived as pe real people. You know, it was kind of like a child was just a thing. Really. Loose. So what? You can just, you know, you just go underneath the duvet, and you just move quite slowly. And nature can still take its course. Trust okay. Me. You can still do it. You don't have to like literally shake the thing off its moorings, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> so it goes rolling across the farmyard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
Anyway, all right, General Store, thank you for that. Uh, now it's uh, Old Grey Whiskers, and I believe he's our last call rinnerer of the whole episode. So make sure it's a good call rinnerer, sir. Hello, you two. Tis Old Grey Whiskers here again. Now then, about this here mobile oh, what Ed Emmer seems to be stuck up in now. I don't know how the hell they got that installed in 24 hours. If they ain't plumbed the bugger into some sort of septic tank or drainage system or whatever, they're going to have problems. Because I knows I've been living in a carry van for three weeks now, and every four days I got to go and empty the toilet, and that's just me. So if there's four of them there, they're going to have a bloody problem on their hands unless they're plumbed in. And I don't know how the hell they did that in 24 hours. Anyway, um, they've got electric on, I suppose, and they've got gas, and they've got everything else they need. Bloody miracle, if you ask me. Bye, then. Bye. Good call, old grey whiskers. I've unhappy birthday as well for last week. I thought, um, I thought exactly that. How you managed to get that thing through the village without anybody seeing it? Because it has to arrive on the back, on the back of a humongous lorry, you know. And if anyone drives at over twenty five miles an hour through the village, everyone comes rushing out of their houses shouting. So the fact that nobody commented on an entire house being driven past on the back of a lorry. Um, and then, you know, yes, exactly. Having it plumbed in, there's no planning permission. It's not even their, um, it's not even their um, uh, space, is it? It's it's Oliver's. Um, mm. Yeah, the water, the power, the sewage. So that, yeah, it's another reason why you couldn't conceive a baby because the whole thing is going to stink of poo. <laughs> <laughs> not very romantic. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It seems to me there's certain holes in this whole kind of plot, but for the yeah. sake of the romantic payoff, which is yeah. what we've got. And also just, just ending one storyline. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Wrapping something up. Yes. Thank uh, that's Lord. what they've done. Do we have any more emails? No. Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, it's time for us to draw breath and uh, furlough our intellectual connection to the world of uh, Archerdom just for a, a couple of minutes. Uh, you'll probably hear an ad so when you come back, it'll be time for Millie Bell to take us down under. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. 
If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. G'day, everyone. Well, our last week of proper episodes uh, before we go to vintage or archived material for the next three weeks. So what have we got? We thought we would start with um, Jolene and wondering whether she's going to be the weak link in the team or is she going to be an unexpected hero because so much has been made of how incompetent she is. Uh, John Kelston Merritt said, come on, this is fantasy land. Of course she will be the unexpected hero. Mm. Uh, Laura Jackson said, if there is anything this team needs, it's younger players. Has anyone noticed how old the team members are? Tracy was born in 1975. I can't find out how old Jolene is, but Fallon was born in 1985. So let's just say Jolene was born in 1965. Um, Harry West said, what are we going to do when they take it off air? Someone once said, if the Tower of London's Ravens left the tower, England would fall. We will have to wait and see what happens when the archers go off air. Actually, it will be interesting to see if they resolve the cricket uh, theme story at all, to be honest with you. Harry and Stephen Bowden said, Ambridge will bat first and make a respectable, if not great, score. Little Croxley, or whoever it is, will stay in the chase to the last over when Tracy will bowl and take a couple of key wickets. Little Croxley will be left needing five off the last ball. Tracy bowls, the batter swings, and the ball heads towards Cow Corner. <laughs> um, in Ambridge, of course, every corner is a cow corner, along with parts of boundary that weren't even corners. Where Jolene has been put out of harm's way, Tracy yells, catch it. Jolene looks up and sees the ball heading her way. She reaches up both hands and, of course, she catches it. So uh, there's some predictions there for uh, Jolene and uh, her cricket input. Um, that was really one of only two major topics that we discussed this week. Um, uh, but the other one that was uh, took our fancy was around the um, house that Emma has now moved into. I was a bit confused to start with, but I am right in thinking it's on Oliver's land. And I just wondered about uh, permits, whether you need to get permits in the UK. Um, but Debbie Smith said, lovely, but when the reality of living in a mobile home with the kids in the winter sets in, it will all go wrong again. Jan Mitchell thought it was a lovely scene between the two of them. It got her all choked up and she agrees that it would have been ideal if Emma had included Ed in the decision-making processes. But she thinks she felt she had to demonstrate to him that her values had shifted. It was a revelation to me that they started life together in a caravan and thanks to Sally Wilk, Cadle, perhaps the surprise was meant to be symbolic, bringing them full circle. Uh, Pat Rife Hanavan said, I'm very glad that Emma and Ed are back together, but I wish it hadn't happened by way of Emma making the decision about their odd living arrangements by herself and springing it on Ed. That's not a good sign of mature thinking or for their relationship. I always hate it when serial dramas of any sort have someone springing a surprise life event on someone else. Surprise, a wedding, house, even vacation. Sorry, but I'd like some input into decisions of those kinds and would hate to have them made for me as a lovely surprise. And Elizabeth Emerson said, maybe Emma's new place will allow Ed to resume his place in their family, as he did when Susan and Neil were off doing the Macarena. 
can't think where it could be though, as rented property is so scarce in Ambridge. Yeah, I think it's actually on Oliver's land because it's near his parents. And I just don't understand how you can do that without a permit because it all just seemed to happen so quickly. Um, we have posted up a background to um, Emma and Ed's relationship. So if you don't know much about that, you could um, scoot onto our site and have a look at that. And other than that, we um, have put up the uh, schedule for the next three weeks, which I have to be honest, um, I pinched it from Nicola Headlam of Academic Archers. <laughs> so thank you, Nicola. Great friend to us. Um and um, uh, the general feeling from that is that people wish that they'd gone way well back into the archives yeah. for some older uh, material. Lots and lots of people feeling as though, well, I've actually heard that and not too keen on all of the subject matters. But we'll see how that pans out. Um, so that's pretty well from us. Of course, there is a Saturday snap, um, which is about caravanning. So if you'd like to get involved in that, do. Um, next week, you will be with Yokel Bear. And I'm very interested to see how he manages with the archival material. I'm sure he'll do great. And whatever happens, he'll be funny. So that's cool for me. So until I speak to you again in a fortnight, I say to you, hooroo. Hooroo. Sarah. Thank you, Minibel. Mm. She sounded a bit tired this week. I hope she's all right. She did, actually. You have to wait a fortnight uh, to tell me how you are. But anyway, I hope you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Message me if you're not. <laughs> uh, just wh whilst uh, it, it's on my brain, um, uh, please go on to uh, YouTube, type in Lucy's Week in Ambridge or even Dum De Dum. I think both things will, will take you to the, the self-sell place. And uh, you can see Yokel Bear uh, do his social media roundup. You can see uh, my first day on set and of course, Lucy's Week in Ambridge, or and also uh, Lucy and Sandbridge's um, awesome dramatic uh, output, which I put out every Friday at approximately seven o'clock. Uh, that's all there on the YouTubes. If you want things uh, kind of uh, in full, vibrant, moving colour, apart from the Lucy stuff, which is just a still graphic, uh, but but it's they paint such a vivid picture that you can see everything in front of you with your very own imagination if not your eyes so go onto youtube and do that oh i don't know i've backed myself into a corner and my math runs away with me but i think i'll just back pull that one back anyway uh mirror headlines when you're ready okay i've got one headline and then i've got an article that i love okay people from outside britain this is the depths to which we have sunk in our desperation for news that is not about the coronavirus in the local paper. This is from a Yorkshire paper. I've completely forgotten who sent it to me, but whoever you are, I love you. Ready? Mm -hmm. York, York resident amazed by large chip during tea time in lockdown. <laughs> I actually did see that. There is a photo of a man looking amazed Holding a big chip. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it, it. It is quite a big chip, though, Lucy. It is a big chip. I'm not sure it merits an entire page in a newspaper, but it is a big chip. Yeah. Okay. And this, this is just Jesus. This is World News Daily Report. Um. Da da da. I think this is, I don't, well, apparently, 
Oh God, I don't know. Anyway, I'm just going to read it. Mm. 40, okay, the headline. Woman arrested for training squirrels to attack ex-boyfriend. 45-year-old Janice Smith was arrested this morning by officers of the Detroit Police Department for allegedly capturing numerous squirrels and training them to attack her former lover. The victim, 51-year-old James Robinson, was presumably attacked by the rodents on more than a dozen occasions over the last month. These attacks caused him many serious injuries, including the loss of two fingers and one testicle bitten off by his attackers. (laughs) The poor man had no idea why squirrels kept attacking him until he saw his ex-girlfriend, a former circus animal trainer, cheering the animals during one of the attacks. Uh, Mr. Robertson filed a complaint with the police who later played a visit to Miss Smith. In her residence, they found a dozen tech cages holding a total of 27 squirrels. They also found two training dummies with pictures of Mr. Robertson taped over their faces. <laughs> Detroit, poli- <laughs> Detroit Police Chief James Craig confirmed that Janice Smith had admitted that she was responsible for the attacks and confessed a strange plot. Uh, she is now facing a variety of criminal charges linked to criminal harassment and using animals as weapons. Um, her Smiths, her, her lawyers, have demanded uh, that she undergo a psychological evaluation. <laughs> they say that her choice of training squirrels instead of dogs or bears suggests that she might be suffering from mental problems. <laughs> wow. If she's judged fit to stand trial, Ms. Smith will be facing a maximum of 65 years in prison. <laughs> do we know the reason why like she turned on him so. no that's not really the point of the story though is it no but I, the whole thing is just so wonderfully bizarre that i want to know what this man had done to her yes for her to cook up such cruel and unusual punishment and this bollock bitten off by a squirrel <laughs> Oh dear! Right. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's go for tweets of the week now, then, okay. Lucy. This is from Tolligan Moms. Mm-hmm. I hope Roy is sick on Gavin's shoes on the way home. <laughs> 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 A bit Buddhist said, "FYI, little Croxley, named after the tragic button seller who died of frayed shawl fever in Charles Dickens' A Miserable Read." Um, David Fuel, uh, Hewell, even when fully aroused, Roy would not be in the right mood. <laughs> that's very good ah archer's goddess borchester cid we've got a profile sarge he's male caucasian and with conservative views yes but which crime we've had modern slavery domestic abuse fly tipping (laughs) gbh racist attacks fraud selling banned chemicals and killing badgers and (laughs) jamie d okay wait a minute oh sorry sorry I, i missed my cue i missed my cue uh there you go. Jamie D. Emma, you've got to think different, Ed. Ed, how do I do that? Emma, well, you could start by trying thinking. <laughs> oh, harsh. Harsh. <laughs> Very harsh. <sighs> okay. Uh, dumdydum.com, folks, if you go there. You can um, hear uh, Lucy's wonderful output, which we just mentioned before, actually. Well, it's I did anyway, because Lucy likes to, you know, hide a light underneath a bushel. But I need to like to open up that bushel and let the light spread out. And uh, so if you want to hear Lucy and Shambridge 
get together and uh, show you another side of Ambridge which you didn't even know existed, whether it's council Zoom meetings or the investigation into the missing whereabouts of one Kathy Perks, or even go back in your Ambridge time machine and go back to a time uh, which is like, I don't know, the early, early 19th century, the early what, 1820s. You can all do that by going on to dumdum.com and uh, having some fun there. And then you can comment on them and say how wonderful uh, you've found this experience to be being on our website, listening to Lucy do her thing. Now, other things you can do on dum 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 other things you can do on dumdum.com, I can't even think to mention, but uh, just go on there, do some stuff, be part of the gang. It's awesome. Uh, oh, now, Zoom. Um, we've been doing stuff on Zoom and it's once every fortnight. And uh, we are going to be having on this Friday at 7 p.m., that 7 p.m. Uh, UK time, uh, a conversation with. Charlotte Martin, who plays Susan Carter. You'll have me, Lucy, and Susan chatting away. And then also you'll be able to ask her questions at the end of the uh, Zoom session towards the end. And also we'll have the world famous uh, Dum De Dum Does Zoom quiz, which I'll cook up generally about 20 minutes before we go on, on air and something will go wrong because I haven't thought about it properly because no, I've done it in a rush. That nice That's all part of the... for you. You know what? I'm getting a little bit fed up. <laughs> Listen, I did that quiz all by myself. But why did that lady say she did? Apart from three questions. Apart from three questions which somebody else The picture questions. Up. But all the others were... Okay, so the questions about Mike Tucker... Who did those? You. Who drew up the very slick graphics? She, you did. Thank you. Who did, Who did the, the picture quiz question? the week afterwards? Who <laughs> did the picture questions when we had no. Headley on? Me. Yeah, no, the week Me. before that. I'm Me. Yes, all right. You, oh. you, 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 you. It's not enough me on this podcast. It's <laughs> 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 a high filter production produced by Rainbow Pound, starring Rainbow Pound. <laughs> Even I couldn't keep a straight face on this. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, folks, um, the, the whole point of me wittering on is just to say that there are other other ways of consuming dum de dum archers related content other than just the podcast. You can find us on the YouTube's via the website, and you can find us on Zoom. Now, if you would like to uh, be part of the Zoom action, uh, what you have to do is be a member of our Facebook group. Because I do post uh, the uh, access Shouldn't code there. Shouldn't people be patrons? There. Yeah, Lucy, yes. I hadn't finished. Oh, sorry. sorry. You, you've jumped sorry. in wildly, sorry. right? Wildly, cool. right? Um, you can DM on Twitter. You can actually email me as well. And I will post this out to all of the Patreons and all of the people who are who give us recurring payments on PayPal. And I did say this last week, but it's a, a, a word of very slight and very gentle warning. 
and uh, we will, because these things have proven to be so popular and we think it's such a rich experience for you, the listener, to be able to see <laughs> the actors. <laughs> Sorry. It is, it, no, it is. It is. <laughs> Whereas a Wuhan bat joke I've just missed here. No, yeah, it's just you are dreadful. about a rich experience of watching a masturbating Nazi. <laughs> not that rich not that rich that was too rich too well, rich that one was <laughs> okay. after we sorted out our very Nazi. obvious security flaws <laughs> we've subsequently <laughs> analysed the entertainment quotients that people are getting yes. from yes. our Zoom chats mm. and we think it's pretty high yes so we are going to move it but not until all the corona lockdown is over. But we are going to make this exclusive just to our Patreons. So it's a word to the wise that if you are thinking, hmm, I really love this once every Friday, uh, sorry, once every fortnight Friday action with Dum De Dum, um, we are going to move it that way because it's just worked so well. So if you've got some questions for our Charlotte Martin, um, you know, Write them down, have them in your head, and you'll be able to fire them over to her uh, this Friday coming. And um, yes, so that's that. So uh, patreon.com, go there, and you can give us $2 per show, and you'll be part of the gang. And uh, we love people that do that, because it helps us to pay for new bits of kit and just generally keep the lights on around here in Dum Dum Towers and stuff. So go on to patreon.com, $2 per show, and um, you not only get our thanks, but you get exclusive content and uh, long may that continue. Uh, I'm clicking because out. I'm sending you that newspaper, the link to that headline of the squirrel woman. And when you open it, okay. you'll see it will make you laugh. <laughs> it will. Because of her picture. All right. Well, whilst you're sell sending me that, I'm going to say, remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website, which is called stumdum.com. We call us on 02030313105 to leave us a message via a good old phone. Oh, and also, I am soon going to start. In fact, I have mm -hmm. to... Um, uh, uh, I'm going to have to um, edit it very soon. In fact, today probably. Um, I'm going to start putting some funny stuff that is nothing to do with the archers on SoundCloud. So I will put the link out on Twitter, um, but it won't be anything to do with the archers. So if you if you only like listening to me talk about the archers, don't listen to it. If you don't mind me wishing on about other things, then listen to it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I sell things so well, don't I? <laughs> Um, of course, Twitter is always the beating heart of Dum uh, Dum Land, and uh, it is the place where you can find us uh, doing our thing. But fundamentally, really, it's just Yokel Bear. If you go onto that platform and type in Dum Dum, you get Dum Dum. If you type in Yokel Bear, you get Yokel Bear. But if you type in Dum Dum, you can also get Yokel Bear pretending to be Dum Dum. Uh, if you type in Royfield, you get me. 
And where can people find you, Lucy? They can type in Lucy V. Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook uh, came... Actually, here's a funny thing, considering we, we blather on about Twitter all the time. My first little bit of Archer's fandom, trying to corral Archer's fans together, was actually done on Facebook, not Twitter. And um, I only just realised that, or made uh, thought, I'm sure maybe just like fess up and say that, because the URL of our Facebook group is Archer's Tweet Up. And um, that's because I, some months before uh, the whole dum dum thing happened, I actually did a Tweet Up. Um, so, and I organised that by Facebook. Anyway, I've forgotten all about that. Anyway, go on to Facebook, type in dum dum and you get dum dum on Facebook, funnily enough. And it's Millie Bell, Yokel Bear, and Witherspoon. And uh, just like marshalling people on that platform. We do have the Flick app. And to get the Flick app, you, know, you quite simply, on your smartphone, you go onto the App Store, type Flick app, you get that, and then when you get the Flick app, type in Dumpty Dum, and you get a whole load of people just chatting about the archers and a tiny little bit of Dumpty Dum chat on the side as well. So that's on the Flick app, and I must admit, I love me some Flick app action. So big ups to everybody on there. So Flick up, Flick up, big up, <laughs> Flick. Posse, <laughs> it's hard to say when you got the teeth that I have and whatever. No wonder you mangle all your words all the time. There's nothing anyway, wrong with your teeth. App. What are you on about? Oh, God, have you seen them? Yes, I have. Goofy as fuck I am. Goofy. You are right. not. I am. God, I'm, re I'm really down on myself at the moment. But actually, my teeth are just protruding in all manner of weird and wonderful uh, directions. Not happy with them at the moment. Anyway, uh, so that's the Flick app. That's that. I think we're just about done. Uh, so, Lucy, um, I'm going to leave it to you uh, to say some closing words and we can draw a veil over this episode. That makes it sound like it went horribly wrong. I thought it was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can we can do the thing which we some, somewhat periodically do, which is me saying, what would you give yourself? So let's see. Uh, you think it went well. Uh, what would you give the episode? What would you give yourself? And then I, what don't, would you give I hate me? it when we do this. I don't want to do this. I've just looked in my junk folder, by the way, and I found um, an email from you, um, which was from a lady called Melanie, sent on the 30th of April. And I missed it completely because it went in my junk folder, which I didn't know it did that, uh, which means I now have to check it more often because God knows what else ends up in there. But it says that um, it's from Melanie Shropshire. Oh. I don't know where she is. But she said, uh, she's a bit behind on Dumpty Dum because my listening time was during my commute, she says. But she said, I just had to congratulate you, Royfield, on being right about Philip in capital letters. Absolutely. Is that the reason why it went into Absolutely, your trash? Yeah. Anything, anything that I've set a, a <laughs> thing up, a, 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 whatever it's called, an instruction for my email, when the words... Royfield, you were right. It immediately goes into junk or spam or bin. Um, absolutely hilarious presentation of winning the bet with Lucy and you even had forgotten how right you were. I love Dumpty Dum. You and Lucy are perfect together and I love the community. I plan to visit England when I retire and it will be planned around the Dumpty Dum Live so I can meet everyone. 
Thanks for being you, she says. Melanie Shropshire. Oh, thank you, Melanie. Mm. And we will look forward to meeting you whenever you retire. Or whenever we do, whichever is the sooner. <laughs> <laughs> do we know uh, where she lives? No. Where's our Melanie live? No, we don't know. Oh, no. okay. Why don't you uh, send us another email, Melanie, and let us know? Because that's like a mystery which is going to plague me for the next week. I won't be able to sleep. It will, genuinely. It is the kind of thing that bothers him. Too right. Now, all right, so maybe I was a little bit too mawkish in, in terms of the way I was trying to wrap the show up. But I would give you a very solid seven. I'd give the show a six and me a generous 2.5. What about your teeth? Uh, Do they get their own score? <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, uh, no, because they are actually the reason, part of the reason why I, I score myself down all the time. Anyway, whatever. Um, just say something funny so I can just hit stop, please. You know that thing about um, that the thing? mobile phone, the mobile phone, the mobile home. Ed and everyone are yes. living in a mobile phone, um, uh, and not being able to, you know, conceive a corona kid when you, you've got two children in bedrooms either side of you. Uh, my friend, uh, Mick, told me once about when he was a teenager uh, and mm. he brought his girlfriend home and they were upstairs and his younger brother and his parents, this was in the 1970s, were sitting in the sitting mm. room watching a, an, a you know, a, a David Attenborough documentary or something. And uh, Mick and his uh, girlfriend of the time started doing what teenagers do in their bedrooms. And... Um, his younger brother said that their parents were so resolutely kind of um, uh, unwilling to discuss sex that they just did not mention it, even when bits of plaster started coming off the ceiling <laughs> and floating down in front of the television. And they were having to turn the TV up and raise their voices over the noise. He said it was the single most embarrassing sort of 10 minutes of his entire life. And uh, yes, I've just got visions of the same thing happening with Ed and Emma. <laughs> that is a very classic episode of Gavin and Stacey. Oh, really? Where this, where this, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, Gavin and Stacey wake up round at Gavin's uh, parents' place and they have a little bit of morning delight, shall we say. And everybody else is downstairs and they can just hear the dull thumps upstairs okay. <laughs> <laughs> whilst, they're, whilst they're having their cornflakes. <laughs> And they come down, hello, everybody. Yeah. Like this, everybody's like, <laughs> My friend once told episode. me a dreadful story Ooh, go about on. her Pray and tell. her husband were, mm. um, it was very, very early in the morning. And <laughs> this is awful. If you've got children, t turn, the, turn the thing off. Don't listen to this. Um, mm -hmm. They were... They thought the coast was clear and they had no lock on the bedroom door and they were at it. And my friend turned her head to one side and found herself staring straight into the baffled eyes of her two-year-old. Climbed out of bed, come in. And she just said, what are you doing? <laughs> it was just absolutely she couldn't look her husband in the eye for the rest of the weekend it was just mortifying <laughs> but you know it, this is a relatively modern phenomenon of well yeah because people uh, have separate children rooms and they didn't they didn't used to yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, you know, relatively modern. Kids would be seeing their parents at it mm, like all the mm. time, and you just knew. I, I, you just knew. I, I, I presume they just knew just to you know just to yeah. turn over and just yeah. gently cough and just yeah. pretend to be asleep yeah. while mummy and daddy yeah. did that weird mm. thing. Mm. <laughs> anyway, anyway. But if we want to wind my friend up now, we just go. What are you doing? <laughs> She's got a bit twitchy about it. (laughs) My mum doesn't listen to the podcast, or at least, and if she does, she doesn't get all the way to the end. My mum nods off about two minutes in. She said, I had a lovely sleep, woke up, and you were still talking, she says. (laughs) (laughs) I must admit, when I was a little kid. Oh, don't tell me anything because I meet your mum sometimes. No, but this, but this is nice. Okay, this is okay. nice. This is okay. nice. Sunday after Sunday dinner. Ah. Well, of course it was Sunday. Yeah. After Sunday dinner, mum and dad always used to say, mummy and daddy are very tired. We're going to just go up and have a little sleep and whatever. And that was the most magical of all times, right? I don't know what mum and dad were doing with their sun- Sunday afternoon sleeps, Lucy. Right, but like, I had the whole run of the house. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> what do you mean the run I'd of the house? Mid- Where were you not allowed to go normally? Well, what I mean is, no, they just for two hours. Mum and Dad just weren't downstairs, right? You know, in you know, in loco parentis, so to speak. It was just like six-year-old me playing my dad's records. You know, going, you know, I just like watch whatever I wanted to watch on TV because you only had one TV back then. There's none of this mum saying, I want to watch this film on BBC too. None of that stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> Go into the fridge, eat whatever you wanted. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> you know, it took me a few years to realize, you know, as a teenager, I went, what were mum and dad always doing on Sunday afternoon? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> they always got very tired on Sunday yes. afternoons. Just needed to disappear for two hours. <laughs> two hours? Anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. Um, right, okay. Well, I think we definitely uh, close this one up now okay. and uh, draw a veil and uh, say goodbye and we'll see you all on friday at 7 p.m remember you do know the ways of how to get in contact with us it's going to be on the flick app it's going to be on facebook you've got to dm on twitter not going to put it out publicly on twitter you can also email me and you'll also get the get the codes to be able to get in get your questions ready uh, we'll throw uh, we'll give you we'll give you the chance to ask some questions to charlotte i know she's really looking forward to it it's going to be awesome lucy's going to be there it's going to be great toodaloo bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.